All right, uh, Hebrews 13. Uh, today we're going to continue on with Hebrews 13, and this is the concluding chapter of Hebrews. And again, as we say, this is the lasting words that he, the writer gives to the Hebrews, uh, and they're very, um, uh, this, they, they pertain to the sanctified life and, and the, even the lasting dangers that they face. Last week we talked about the strange teachings. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today, uh, and then we're going to proceed, um, hopefully, um, a little bit more there on our new handout uh, to verse 15. But um, why don't we start uh, with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Uh, Lord, bless us in this word. Uh, guide us um, as we live um, in the truth uh, of your word. Uh, lead us, O oh Lord, always um, in, the, in the work of Christ as we uh, continue to, to be the beacons of light in this world. Bless us as you are our Lord and, and lead us, O oh Lord, always um, under your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so uh, last week we talked about diverse and strange teachings. Right? Uh, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. And for the, uh, for the Hebrews in this context, it was the Old Testament food laws that uh, thought that, that, that they could, by doing these things, they could cleanse their conscience or bring some level of righteousness in their lives. And this was a great temptation for them. Now, we might not have food laws, but we have uh, many different ways to which we think that we can somehow cleanse our conscience or just add a little extra for our own righteousness in front of God. Um, and um, it, it could be our pride, as we talked about this morning, about self-righteousness, about the Pharisees, uh, as if, yeah, we, that we can somehow bring our own strange teachings in there about uh, righteousness, when in fact, the writer saying here in verse 9, do not be led away by these diverse strange teachings, but because with whatever is diverse and strange, that is not of Jesus. And what is not of Jesus is diverse and strange. So uh, it is Jesus who gives us, as we read today in our epistle reading, Hebrews 13, didn't we? Right? If you notice that. Um, and uh, again, uh, today... Uh, why, why, why is the truth so important? Why doesn't Vivian just say, oh, pastor, you know, what's the big deal? You know, we all believe in God. What's the big deal? Why, why don't we, you know, why don't we just stay resolute in that, oh, you know, Carrie, you know, you might believe in this, I might believe in that, but what's the big deal, right? We all believe in God. What, why are we all about the word and doctrine and truth? Why is that so important in our day and age? in the midst of this possible strange teachings that we face today. Why is that so important? Because that there are different gods. Your, your god may be um, a token belief in Christ, but what you really are worshiping is, is money and, what, and the power that it gives you. And there have to be some absolutes, and that's where the word comes in, because it absolutely tells the truth. And any teaching that doesn't follow the word is a false teaching. So how much concession do we give to false teaching? I mean, do we just say, oh, Dave, you know, 90% true, 2% false teaching in a denomination, let's say, or 5% false teaching or 50% false teaching? I mean, what's the... Well, the danger is they don't realize it's false teaching. They don't know because they're not hearing anything else. They're not hearing. 
but I, I, I know what you're saying. I know, I know what you're saying. But I think there, there is a, I, I think for us humans, we can be on that side of, well, you know, I mean, they're good people. They believe in God and, you know, they, they try their best. So, I mean, false teaching, what's the big deal, right? But again, what's, what is the po- possible danger there with false teaching? What's the, the honest truth about false teaching? What's the danger of it? Anyone? It becomes your teaching. It becomes about you, not about Christ and what he's done for us. Yeah, yeah, and, and that danger is... It doesn't uh, say. Yeah. Yeah. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, There was kind of a, a little bit of truth, a little bit of falsehood, all put together. Try. And now it becomes very hard to separate them out. So when we talk about church unity, what is church unity? Is it, what is it bound by? You're pointing to something, Carrie. <laughs> what is that you're pointing to? <laughs> oh, the, the Bible, right? That's right, right? Uh, it, it's the word of God. That's our unity. That's our fellowship, right? Our fellowship isn't because what? Uh, we like each other or we get along, but our fellowship, our unity is in the truth of God's word. That's everything to us. And that's what we teach. That's how we live. Uh, and that's where our faith is. And that's why it's so important to study uh, this. false teaching, though, we also say, say the same thing. That we're grounded in the Word of God. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's Bible. our own, you know what I mean? It's, you know what I mean? They can kind of say the same thing. That's why, I, I, as I'm studying with you, the, the creeds, um, the, those things of the early church, that, and we read those things here at church, that, that this is what we believe. Plain and simple, this is what we believe about Christ. This is what we believe about God's Word. Because even then and there, the, the creeds were written because of yeah. false. To, to realign everyone. Hey guys, let's not get off the let's not get too far off the graph here. Let's let's get back to the X and Y intercept form. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. X and, my kids. <laughs> yeah, there are also versions of the Bible that are have false. Yeah. Or that have omitted words. Or, or changed um, the meaning of words. Or yes, yes. To cater to the well, culture. So And I'm one of those. You know, when I'm seeking and I'm trying to find, you know, church or whatever, I'll have to like go on the website and I'm like, okay, what do they believe? You know what I mean? And I gotta like fish through it to find out, you know, what is this? You know, um, and if you're not doing that nowadays, you can get really, you can get into a church, you can get somewhere where, you know what I mean? You can get lost real quick. When I when I was looking for travel about churches, because there isn't always a Missouri Synod Lutheran yeah. church, then I would go in and try and see what they believe. They have that page of what they believe, and if they don't talk about communion, and what it is, and what it does, and if they don't talk about the, the Bible, and that it's the word of God, and if they put anything in there about as interpreted by men... Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's like little hints. But you have to seek that out because mm-hmm. if you don't, you can walk into that church yeah. and you go, oh, wow, this is kind of like my and, church. You know? And that's what I kind of was alluding to earlier about the fact that 
people that are in different faiths that still believe in Christ don't know what they're not hearing if it's not taught, if it's the, the way that it is here. We're, we're so clear on exactly what, what we believe. You know, if you really spend some time in the New Testament, once you get past the historical books, basically the Gospels and Acts, so much of the rest of it has to do with addressing false doctrine within the church that was cropping up in First Corinthians. Yeah, well, it's not all those letters. You know, they were written to solve or to address a specific problem that Paul or Peter, or in the case of Hebrews, whoever wrote it, were seeing in that particular congregation. So false doctrine was a major problem in the beginning. It's still a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, so the study of God's Word is, is very important as we study God's Word, and, and that's why we're here. So uh, speaking of uh, altars and, and communion, why don't we read verse 10 and continue here. Verse 10. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. All right. So again, this is uh, from the diverse teachings. Um, and the strange teachings, uh, those are those who were serving, as you look at your notes, um, the Old Testament rituals, uh, that they were dwelling upon those as if that was their saving grace. And uh, we have an altar, right? That is from the new covenant in the blood of Christ, the Lord's Supper. Uh, there flows the body and blood of Jesus by the power of his word. And there uh, we have the privilege and the gift uh, to eat uh, faithfully uh, in, the, in the unity of our confession, right? So, so the chalice, why do we have that? Uh, not only is it uh, as how, we are, uh, how people at church uh, drink from the chalice, but the chalice is that reminder to us of the unity of our confession, right? It's that we are confessing together uh, in Holy Communion what we believe, teach, confess. So that Doctrine, I know doctrine, when people hear that, they're like, they think of dust and an ancient medieval time. Doctrine, like who even likes doctrine anymore, Don? <laughs> um, that word doctrine scares people because it's so like, what's the word? Uh, so, uh, uh, they would consider it archaic. And also archaic is a good word. Too many, too many rules and regulations, right? But again, um, when we talk about uh, this altar that we have, again, that's why I think, uh, as you look on here, uh, that Holy Communion should, be ta- should not be taken lightly as we are to examine ourselves, lest they eat and drink judgment on themselves, 1 Corinthians 11. So the way we practice is what we believe, right? Whatever we believe, that's how we practice. So whatever we practice... What, how we're practicing really does reveal what we believe. Do you, do you, don't, do you, know, like, do you know what I mean by that? Actions. Like, how we practice shows people how we believe. And that can go in every, every which way, too. Right? It can go in every which way, even false ways. It, it can reveal the false things of a church, of how we practice. Right? So how we practice is very important because it does go back to what we believe. Everything we believe is what we do. 
We don't believe, we don't, what we, I guess the opposite of that is we don't do the things that we don't believe, do we? I mean, is that how we practice in our lives? Like if you, oh, there's no Luis or Sheldon here, my mechanics. Um, oh, Jeff, just here. Uh, he, he's a mechanic of some, uh, he does his own oil changes, but you know, he knows how to change his oil at home in his car, right? Um, he wouldn't put a different oil, an olive oil, some grapeseed oil or olive oil in there, right? Uh, he's oh, it's cheaper. Let's do that. No, he, that's not what he believes because he knows that's not how oil. I know Dave, Dave as well. He knows cars too. Like, you know how to do these things and you're not going to do it differently because you know the right way to do it, right? And that's how it is with how we believe in practice. Uh, and it does reveal, like if you're using olive oil for your car, that does reveal a lot of things about what you believe on how to do an oil change or how not to do. Like, why does my car not work? I wonder, why is it about to blow up? Uh, <laughs> so, so again, uh, what we believe is how we go. And again, uh, we have an altar from, uh, from which those who serve the tent um, have no right to eat. And those who uh, were caught up in these strange teachings, I think that's why as a church, uh, it, it is ideal that we do what before people come to the communion? We, we teach them. And um, that's what we do. We teach uh, because we uphold to what we believe according to Holy Scripture, right? Um, and as I always tell people, um, I know that you believe in God and it's not a slide on your faith. It isn't at all. It's, it's more of to, to have that review, to have that assurance, to, to really get back on the same page with everyone else. And, and to just to take time to learn, uh, and, and trust me, as I always tell people, you know, you'll love it, and nine times out of ten, they do. <laughs> no, nine times, no, for nine, I don't know. But they, they love it, and it's great, I love it too. So again, uh, teaching is very important, and, and this is the, the exactly uh, the reason why, because of the, divi- the diverse and strange teachings of the world, and, um, you know, as... As you heard in Hebrews 13 today in the reading, it says, Obey your leaders. We're not going uh, on it today, but in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So, um, that's a a fun scripture (laughs) verse right there. Thanks, Brent, as you laugh. <laughs> so, so, again, it's a big deal. And I could smile all day and be a shopkeeper. But that is no good use to you nor myself. That is no, that is no good. That is no good. So that's why we do what we do. We teach, we teach, we teach. And, um, and, and here we strive um, in the word of God. So, you know... Uh, Yes. Art has a question. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. I don't think we should forget about baptism. I think baptism's the most important step in believing and giving your all and heart in, in Christ. And then communion, communion follows that in, in regards to Christ dying on the cross for us and um, acknowledging um, the acceptance of yeah, yeah, no, I, I think 
uh, in this context, he, he was talking about uh, this whole picture of communion. But you're right, uh, baptism uh, definitely is uh, the gift of God as he uh, gives his grace to us. And Um, well, faith is key, right? Uh, and faith trusts in the word of Christ and what he institutes. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of if I have a baptism or not, but rather what does the scripture say about baptism? I think that's where we trust in the power uh, the powerful word of what baptism gives. And when we understand that by scripture, I think it, clear, it definitely gives us a clear answer to that. Now, people will say the, 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 the criminal on the cross, right? Uh, but, but it doesn't mean that we neglect baptism because Jesus instituted this very gift, right? So uh, it's definitely a... a it's definitely a blessing to have baptism. I, that's the call to the church, right? Matthew 28, uh, to, to institute or to have baptism or to, to have the power of word work on people. And uh, yeah, so again, very important baptism is. Um, and, and there we trust in the marks to which God has given to us by that means of grace. Um, anyways, okay. Uh, on to our new handout here. Uh, and we're going to talk about blood of animals. Uh, verse 11, if someone could read that. And, the, yeah, go ahead. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. All right, so this was uh, what they were to do, right? Uh, based on the Old Covenant, yes, on the Day of Atonement, the sacrificed animals were taken outside of the camp to burn. And this is, again, when we talk about Old Testament teachings and how many people were kind of grabbing, still kind of the remnant or residual of that teaching was people still wanted to hold on to that. Now the writer uh, in this verse is really working up to verse 12, uh, which shows us kind of like the fulfillment of all that they had done in the Old Testament, right? the fulfillment of the true sacrifice or what all these sacrifices were looking forward to, uh, and that is the sacrifice of Christ. So uh, if you ever want to ta- uh, see the directions on or see the uh, Exodus 29, 14, Leviticus 16, verse 27, these are the biblical references of what they were to do with the sacrificed animals. Um, but verse 12, how does that sacrificed animal outside of the camp relate to the fulfillment of Christ. If someone could read verse 12 for me, verse 12. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate in order to sanctify the people by his own blood. All right, so what does that mean right there? Why, why outside the gate? And that's a fact, outside the gate. Why outside? Why is outside? Let's <sighs> say for all people. Good. So, okay, so that's one. That's one, um, asp- or that's one aspect of it, is that it's not just for the, the Jew, but also the, right? And when we talk about the Old Testament sacrifices we just talked about there with the animal sacrifice, they were to be taken out and be burned, right? 
outside. So, how does that? What about Christ as atonement? Christ's sacrifice, and we talk about his atonement. Uh, why is outside? Why is outside so important, right there? What What is the author trying to do here with animal? Yeah, so this is that, we call it the, uh, the fulfillment, right? So what he is trying to show the, the Hebrews is that why are you dwelling upon these Old Testament teachings when in fact the fulfillment is in the outside of the gate, the outside uh, of the land, burned, crucified, Passover lamb, Exodus 12, is a picture of Christ and the foretelling of Christ, right? It's not a separate, this is what you're supposed to do with the lamb, right? Uh, You're supposed to eat it and burn it and and, and all these things. No, this is a a foretelling of what is to come in, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what he is trying to show them in the midst of their diverse teaching and strange teaching is that, no, this is the fulfillment right here. Uh, And this is what we trust. And that outside, I think Brent brought up a good point about what this work of Christ is for. It's for the whole, um, it's for the cosmos, right? The cosmos. And uh, for the world, right? Todo el mundo, right? And um, this is uh, the picture of what Christ's work actually does. See, uh, and, and again, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, it says the new, uh, as we see this fulfillment in Christ Jesus, uh, yeah, he didn't just come for the Jews. He, he came for the atonement for all the world, that he suffered and died on the cross uh, to do what? To, to shed his blood for all the world. And we don't believe in a dead Jesus, do we? Right? We don't, right? We believe in the risen one. And what does that mean? He's living, that he broke the grave and he, actually his work, his sacrifice, it, the resurrection proves right, that He truly is the one who stood in our place and who bore our sins and who forgives us and who is now living. That's why he says in Matthew 28, the Great Commission of the Church, I will be with you until the end of the age. And he is with us. We're not trying to search for him. That's the thing. Scripture says he's with you. So why are you searching? Right? He's with you, the Scripture says. Why are you trying to dig through your heartstrings or just get out the the treasure map to see where Jesus is when the scripture clearly shows us that he is with us all because of the fulfillment of this gospel, right? Um, And again, as Art brought up baptism, uh, just because we always, uh, whenever that comes up, we should always talk about it. Um, Baptism, how do you know God is with you? Because the scripture says that you are robed, whoever puts on Christ is robed with Christ, That's how you know God is with you, right? 
as what he has done for you in, in Galatians 3.27. And, and Carrie brought up the, uh, a couple weeks ago about the newness of life, I think, about Romans 6, about how we... I think you did, right? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I think I thought you did. But um, those who have been, you know, as we're baptized in Christ, we're baptized into his death. And as we're baptized into his death, uh, we also are connected to his, buried with him in baptism, but we are also connected to his resurrection, where there we have the newness of life. So how do you know... And again, baptism, all are rooted in the fulfillment of what the gospel has brought to us. That's why our assurance is in, again, the fulfillment. If we don't see that fulfillment, uh, there lies uh, a lot of doubt and wonder what our faith is all about. So the fulfillment of Christ is very important to our faith. I mean, that's what the writer's trying to teach them. Like, you don't need these other teachings. Like, Christ has fulfilled all things, so... Fulfillment, right? It's not take the baton now and you go finish it, right? It's not earning points or getting the tally marks to save yourself. No, this is, it's finished. And, and that's what the scripture says. Not what we think, but what the scripture says, right? So, uh, anyways. Pastor? Yeah. Getting back to Art's question, though. If we haven't died with Christ through baptism and been born again in him, And I know anything's possible with God, but there are people who have not been baptized, but who believe, but they haven't died with Christ and been born again, or have they? Or does God... So, so I'll give you another question, because um, that's what Jesus does. He <laughs> never answers it. He always gives another question. Um, Wait, what's the question? Oh, oh the, the question is, uh, oh, no, I got, I got you. Uh, uh, but what about, um, what about someone who is baptized and let's say they don't have faith? So faith, so God gives us baptism. He, he gives you baptism, but faith receives that gift, right? Faith, it's a re- receiving of that gift. So um, at the end of the day, um, it's, not merely the, it's not merely the operation, but rather it is the faith that receives that very gift, right? right. So I don't know if that helps you oh, answer. Does. does it? I don't know. Does it help you a little bit? Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Good enough. All right. So, uh, <laughs> um, uh, so right here, uh, again, Golgotha. Uh, the place of the skull in Aramaic, right? Golgotha. And, and here in John nineteen seventeen on your handout, this is outside the gate. Now, again, this is no coincidence, right? What Jesus is doing here. Um, Hebrews seven twenty seven in your handout, and you could turn in the Bible if you want, but he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for, our, for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Right, so again... Talk about fulfillment. Uh, what he has done outside the gate at Golgotha, this is not what he has to continue to do. It's been done, right? Um, and he has no need to, sac- to offer sacrifices for himself, right? I mean, he's Jesus, right? He, he's without sin, right? Uh, again, the key distinction, um, the high priest of the Old Testament um, and we see Hebrews 7.26 that he is without sin, so there's no need for him to offer sacrifices for himself like the high priests of the Old Testament did because they were sinners as well. 
but this sin offering, what differentiates his outside-the-gate work is for the sins of the world. And that means he is the perfect high priest without sin that forgives all people, redeeming them by his very blood. And that's the fulfillment he is, he is uh, 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 the writer is trying to show the Hebrews, is the conclusion of the gospel, right? Uh, Jesus, again, as I always say, um, it's not just about Jesus, but it's about what Jesus has done for you. That's the key to, the, to, to our teachings, uh, to the scriptures. It's the for you, Jesus, not, not just uh, uh, the morality Let's try to fulfill all the laws and save ourselves or cleanse our conscience. No, it's Jesus Christ alone who has fulfilled. Fulfilled means what? Done. Done. Like, done means what? Done no more. <laughs> no mas, right? No mas. Uh, done is finito, right? Completo, right? Tetelestai, right? Uh, one other language. Anyways, um, but, but uh, done means done. So what does that mean for your faith? Your faith is done. Not done, like done, but done. Do you know? How about complete? Yes, your faith is complete. And there's, there's no, nothing other, uh, there's no other merit that you have to accomplish uh, for your faith to be what it is. Because your faith is Christ. And all the things that you do in your life, like love and serve, sacrificially, that is all from the being of who you are in the fulfillment of what Christ has done for you, right? It's the gospel, right? But pastor, you know, we, we got to do all these things and we got to talk about all these things. I'm like, you know, when, when we have the joy of the gospel, you know, that joy is so great that the Holy Spirit guides us in this joy of the gospel to love and serve. I firmly believe that, right? That by the fruits of faith, fruits of faith, fruits of faith, that faith is Christ. There we strive uh, to... Uh, uh, to love and serve uh, in the love that was first given to us in the fulfillment of Christ's work, right? So it's not a burden. If it's a burden, you really got to go back to where? The? The word, which is the gospel, right? So if you're burdened about giving, go back to the gospel. You should probably repent and then go back to the gospel <laughs> um, because we all go through that. Uh, you know, always go back to that. Oh, I have to do this. If that's where your heart is, go back to the gospel and see what that's all about for you. Fulfillment of Christ. So, Marjorie, yes? I was just going to say that I, ever since I first heard the, the solas, that just struck such a chord with me that if you keep going back to that, it's just such a, a wonderful reminder of exactly how simple it is and how we are no part of it. Yeah, yeah, and that, that sola, like outside of ourselves only, right? So it, it's very important that it is only uh, outside of ourselves. And, and, and this is what the writer is really teaching, is that if we separate the Old Testament to the New, then we'll never understand the fulfillment that Christ brings. And, and he's saying this is all part of the puzzle, right? All this stuff from the Old Testament, it's all part of the piece of the, the looking forward to, and their Christ is to be the fulfillment, and it is done, right? There's no need for anything else but Christ alone and the gifts that he gives, right, through his, through his work. So very important here in uh, chapter 
uh, uh, 13, verse 12. You could read the notes there if you really want to, um, following. But, uh, okay, uh, verse 13, if someone could read that. Right. So what does that mean? Uh, Jesus bore a lot of, uh, in his life, you know, we, you know, in the Gospels, uh, I think these last couple of weeks, we talked about, or next week, we'll talk about the cost of discipleship. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about the peace of Christ, but yet he comes to bring what? Not multiplication, but Division, right? Uh, he comes to bring division because that's what the word does. Now, the cost of discipleship, we'll talk about this next week as well, but it says to bear to the reproach uh, of, of what he endured outside the gate. Now, as Christians, are we to live in this land like it's, what's the word? Are we to be chameleons in this land? I've never had a chameleon. If I ever saw a chameleon, I'd be scared. I don't like lizards or crawly things. But if we ever, I mean, are we to blend into the world as if we are of the world? Is this our our mainstay, the world? No. So when when we do face people who are against us, I mean, we're not, again, we're not trying to, like, we're not trying to, we're not trying to, like, find that or trying to search out for it, but just living our, our Christian life. My kids go to school. I live in the world, of course, as you know, um, meeting a lot of different people. And, and yeah, you will face a lot of reproach. Because why? Because you live your life in Christ Jesus. You're not of the world, but you live as a being that is under the status as a child of God, all given to you by Christ. And this is what the writer is saying, right? That is the cost of discipleship. Now, what does our sinful nature do in that cost of discipleship? What does our sinful nature do? Oh, that's too much. The price is too high. I, you know, we, we kind of like the world. You know, we kind of like the world, our sinful nature says, right? Like, let's be comfortable. Like, you know, let's... Stay away from the world. Yeah, I mean... Let, And especially in your family, in your family setting, right? It's, it's like you get to the Christmas dinners or the holiday gatherings, and it's like, you know, you're, you're playing jump rope. Like, do I, do I go in or do I? <laughs> do I? You know, the, the, the jump rope is twirling the two. You remember in elementary school, they're like this, and you're like, uh, do I? Uh, no, oh, bell rung, let's just go to class. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that was me. I'm like, too many ropes. One's enough. Why two? Why two? Why two? This is go one. Anyways, uh, but the confrontation, uh, saving our own skin, uh, our pride, a fear of rejection. Um, these are all things that we face. And, and here it's come, let us bear the reproach outside the camp and, and what our Lord endured, right? So following him doesn't mean 
Uh, though we have the victory of Christ, though we live the resurrected life and we are forgiven of all our sins and we have eternal life in this time and space, you know the world. I mean, I don't, we, we could talk about this forever, right? <laughs> but uh, as Christians, uh, there we stand, again, lovingly with the spirit of love. We speak the truth and we care for one another and we love one another and serve one another in Christ Jesus. Uh, and there we are as beacons of light to all the world, right? So come, let us bear the reproach. This is the life that we are entering into. And um, the writer is saying, yeah, it's not. They're facing persecution in this time of the Bible, right? And, and, and obviously, we talked about prisoners, right, earlier in chapter 13. That's the cost of following Christ, is they were, many were put into prison for their faith. So when we talk about bearing the reproach, it's very fearful. And for us in the United States, we don't really see that all too much. Go around the world, it's a lot worse when it comes to persecution. I mean, I mean, put to death, right? Put in jail, all these things. Um, but yeah, this is, this is that cost of discipleship. So again, um, very important to remember. Um, why don't we stop there? Why don't we stop there? Why don't we stop there? Uh, continue, uh, we'll continue on verse 14 next week. Uh, why don't we uh, close? Good, good talk today. Uh, why don't we close uh, with a word? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day uh, that, uh, Lord, you, you sent us your Son uh, to endure and to die and to rise for the sins of the world. Lord, as you are the fulfillment, uh, Lord, bless us in this faith uh, as we live the fulfilled life in the gospel that all is complete, our sins atoned for, Our death has been won. Thank you, O Lord, for Jesus. Lead us this week always in the one true faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.